I believe that you were born to do something amazing. I believe you have an incredible gift to share and that there are people waiting for you right now. What is your what? What is chosen you? What is your what? And all the things that you do. It's time to let go. Just spread your wings and let be. Because it's time to be free, 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 free. Alrighty, welcome to What Is Your What? Wednesday here on Reinvention Radio. It's been a while. It's been it a while. Yeah, it's been a while since we've heard that song. It is. I love that song. I know. You know, it's funny. I'm having, the, uh, I'm having the guy make another version of the song. And, like, I don't know why I keep beating the horse here, but I just don't think there's a better version of the song that's ever going to come out of anybody. And uh, I think I'm just, yeah. So, I specifically like the what is your what in all the things you do. Yeah. Because I feel like your what, kind of and kind of doesn't change but that thing that keeps showing up consistently kind of reveals itself over time too so it's that that specific line resonates with me a lot yeah steve also hanging out with the lovely mary goulet hello mary goulet what were you gonna say you were already jumping out of your chair well i was going to say what struck me or it does every time i hear it is that there's someone out there for each one of us that is waiting for us to show up Mm -hmm. for them that's true with our what? For sure. Mary Goulet, Richie Ote, White Wade. Kelly's holding it down. She may join us as well. Uh, and Steve Olsen are hanging out with you here on What Is Your What Wednesday. And it's, uh, so it's been interesting. So we launched a new podcast called The Best Business Podcast. And uh, that show specifically features people who have either exited for more than $10 million or currently run a $10 million plus business. And so uh, between Reinvention Radio and that show, uh, we've kind of put some of these sub segments, if you will, uh, on hiatus for a bit, but, uh, just was thinking, man, let's, let's do another, what is your what Wednesday? And, uh, in, in during the last, uh, episode of, of reinvention radio, we had Lisa McDonald on, we were talking about living fearlessly and, uh, and at the opening, I was talking about how my kids, uh, are both got promoted or graduated, however you guys term it from, uh, from their respective grades, uh, one ended grammar school, graduated from fifth grade. Uh, the other, Isaiah, who's 14, uh, graduated from eighth grade, will be entering high school. Uh, and so we had an interesting conversation around uh, just kids and uh, present moment and, and all of that fun stuff. But I want to read to you a, uh, an email that I sent to my list. And if you're not, uh, if you're not on my list, I encourage you to go to uh, whatisyourwhat.com and you can uh, opt in there for a free copy of the entire ebook or go to Steve Olsher and pick something that you like, steveolsher.com. Uh, but I do try to share interesting things that are going on in the world of uh, life and business and stories and so on. Yeah. Um, by far so, my favorite email, by the way, so far. You saw that one? Yeah. I yeah. see them all. And you do? This is the only one I've really, really, really <laughs> liked. I mean, don't get me wrong. The other ones, but like, yeah, this one was real. Yeah, it was, uh, it was interesting. The response was really interesting. Let me read it to you. and then Nothing I'll, against the others. You know what I mean? I just, just I really like this one. Thank you. Um, so for those of you who are not on my list, uh, you would not have gotten this. For those of you who are, um, well, I'd love to hear your thoughts on it as well. But uh, the subject line on this one was what you can learn from an 11-year-old. Mm. And let me just read it to you. Uh, and then I, I wanted to discuss this because I think it plays in uh, well with the conversation that we started with Lisa uh, and uh, and a really rich you you were you were surprisingly quiet <laughs> during our episode with Lisa and I know why and I know why and I know why um, but I know this subject around kids and so on is very very near and dear to your heart for so many reasons um, so we'll we'll go from here but let me just read you the email that I wrote 
uh, and sent out to my list earlier this week. And the response was really, really interesting. Uh, I'll just read it. So I couldn't help but chuckle last week when my 11-year-old son, Xavier, asked me for the umpteenth time, uh, Dad, what is it that you actually do? (laughs) Uh, And I know it's confusing for him because my 14-year-old Isaiah has asked me similar questions over the years. After all, I take them to school nearly every day, and in parentheses here, the only times I won't are if I'm out of town or deathly ill. They almost always see me at home after school. I coach as many of their teams as possible, and I have yet to miss a field trip that they've invited me to join them on. Contrast that with the fact that their friends' parents are seldom around as their, quote, day jobs keep them away from home, and I can only imagine the conversations my boys are having with each other and their friends about their mysterious father. Uh, Isaiah, is dad a drug dealer? Xavier may have given this serious consideration. Uh, Xavier, how come your dad is always home? Asks his friends because the kids often hang out at our house after school, and there I am. Mom, if dad doesn't work, how can we afford the house and the pool and the cars and everything else that we have? Asks both boys when dad isn't within earshot. And the fact is, I do work uh, quite a bit, in fact, albeit efficiently and with strategic abandon. And I have purposefully structured my life and business to be able to savor these years together with my boys. They'll only be young once, and the years are flying by. Sort of an aside here, I'm a firm believer that when you look back on your life, you'll strongly regret not spending more time with your family, whereas you will absolutely positively never look back and wish you had spent more time at work. Recently, I came to realize that I need to raise their awareness as to what their father actually does to support the lifestyle I've created for us, and I need to focus on, among other things, raising their business acumen and skills. So I started taking them to events where I speak and have them sell, and where I sell from the stage. Why? Because this not only provides the opportunity to witness their father in action, teaching and changing people's lives, but more importantly, so they can learn how to sell. That's correct. I am teaching my children how to sell. Being able to sell is a skill set that will serve them for life, especially being able to sell through cold calling. And yes, before the hate mail starts pouring in, I do teach them other important life skills too. To help them hone their sales skills, they've begun accompanying me to my events and selling my books. No, not from behind a table, but instead going up to people and asking for the sale. Beforehand, we practice their pitch and discuss objections and how to overcome them. And I help them to gain comfort asking someone to pull out their wallet or credit card to invest in their offering. They charge 20 bucks for a book or sell two for 30. And so that they understand business economics, they pay me $5 for each book, the cost of goods, and are able to and are able to keep uh, the balance. And I've showed a picture of my son, Xavier, in action, asking for the sale and getting it from someone he approached cold. My older son, Isaiah, also accompanies me on these trips and he sells books, too. Now, earlier this month, we were in Phoenix, and they watched me enroll a room full of cold prospects into a $1,497 offer. And this past Sunday, they watched me enroll a room full of cold prospects into a $1,000 offer. Isaiah was reluctant at first to sell, and I encouraged him to give it a shot and remind him that, quote, in life, no one is going to come up to you and just hand you money. If you want it, you got to ask for it, and of course, provide something of value in return. I also reminded him about the power of choice and how money provides us with options and the ability to choose what to invest in that is most important to us. And sell he did. Well, exclamation point, the first go around. 
At the last event, neither had a lot of takers, and Xavier, my youngest son, who's 11, was pretty upset. As a matter of fact, he cried because very few people said yes. And it was a hard lesson to learn, but that is business. Fact is, substantially more people will say no to your offerings than will say yes. And this should never stop you from continuing to offer your products, programs, and services. The boys took one on the chin, but they refused to give up, and neither should you. What I firmly believe, and this is to your point, Mary, what I firmly believe is that you are the solution to someone else's problem. Someone is literally praying for you and your offer to show up in their lives. If you don't ask them to invest, you're not only preventing yourself from generating the income you deserve, but more importantly, you're preventing others from receiving the benefits your products, programs, and services can provide. Now, over the years, I've been accused of selling too much, and I take that as a compliment. Yes, I sell a lot because I know that what I offer can absolutely change people's lives or businesses for the better. I can't fathom not offering what I've oftentimes invested years into creating, especially when I know that the offering can shave a a substantial amount of time off of someone's learning curve and help them avoid the brain damage I've had to endure to learn what I'm sharing. My hope is that my children choose to do exactly the same. No, not incur brain damage. That is, create products, programs, and services that improve the lives of others and ask people to say yes to investing in them regardless of how many times they hear no. So if you've been reluctant to sell, I ask you to reframe your thinking. Selling is a service to others if what you offer is precisely what the person needs at that exact moment in time. My children can confidently sell my books because they believe in their father and know that I don't sell crap. If you believe in your offerings with equal conviction, then by all means, ask for the sale. Keep selling, my friends. And so that was the email that I sent out. And, you know, I, I, I'm not shy about sending out emails. And we've got about 125,000 people on list. Uh, and I will say that it has been, and to Richie, your point here, it's been a long time since I've gotten that much response off of an email. So just kind of want to get your, your knee jerk. That, that email covers a lot of ground there. Um, but just figured let's open up the dialogue around that just in terms of your knee jerk to, uh, to that email and what was said. And uh, if anything in particular you want to talk about, obviously we can go down uh, that path. But I just want to start there because I know we've been talking about kids and living fearlessly and teaching them and living in the present moment. So we've covered a lot of ground over the last couple of shows and um, – Let's start there. So in your responses, did anyone say, yeah, my kids don't know what I do either? Because my kids certainly <laughs> think I don't work. Right. Mom, why are you home And again? dad has a, uh, an office that has phones in it that are attached to the wall. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know? so there so there was some of that. Uh, there were a couple of, uh, of good little LOLs there. You know, hey, my, you know, my, my kids think the same thing. And uh, and Lisa actually in her uh, interview kind of mentioned that uh, a, a little bit as well, that ever – you know, every now and again, she'll get a question from her kids around that because they always see her at home. Uh, so, yeah, there, there, there were a couple of those. That's funny. Yeah. Um, going back to what I had said in the first part of it, what, what do you suggest for people that you run into that are bashful about their what and believing there is a tribe out there for them? Yeah. You know, it's interesting. Um, sometimes – and. It's interesting and it's frustrating, right? Because we can see in other people the power that they hold that they often cannot see for themselves. And it's, you you know, it's funny. So she's, 
so uh, Lisa quoted Byron Katie saying, I want for you what you want for you. And, and, and I get that, right, to some extent. But there are some people who just cannot see the the talent within. They don't know how to tap it. They don't know. They don't. Re- they don't know what their what is. Or they and, don't know how to organize their what. Do you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. how to articulate it, mm-hmm. how to create a product, a service, or a program around it. There's that. Yeah. Wait, yeah. You're, yes, sir. Well, if I can throw in, and by the way, uh, just we've got Kelly P on the phone. Oh, good. So uh, we can bring her in. Oh, please do. Um, but. You know, in terms of, you know, the what is your what and embracing that, right? A lot of people, I think, uh, fear feel that I can't do that till I've finished. I can't do, I can't share my experience until I've reached some kind of goal or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I want to encourage people that sometimes sharing your journey is the thing that needs to be shared. Even if you don't know where you're going to end up, yeah. perhaps sharing your journey <clears throat> and perhaps some of what they're going to learn from you is what you did wrong. Yeah, yeah, and that's exactly what I was talking about in terms of incurring the brain damage and helping others to avoid the trials and the tribulations for sure. Richie, what, uh, before we start going down some of the additional paths here, because I know you've got some thoughts on that, you actually said that was one of the Emails that you, or maybe even your favorite email that you've ever, yeah, by that, far. that you've ever seen from me. So, just what'd you like about it? Oh, all kinds of stuff. Um, and as you know, I always play a little bit of devil's advocate too. Didn't necessarily agree a hundred percent because you know the always be selling. Sometimes, so let me back up a tad. Yeah. First, yes, it was my favorite. Um, but one of the things I've been kind of interested in lately and kind of really my whole life is even that concept of what is your what is there one thing is there this one thing that you're only going to do and you know we're doing some work with Michael Gerber and he'll talk about you know in the e-myth one will say oh Sally was a baker and everyone told her she was great at baking Sally should go open a bakery but it's a totally freaking different thing to yeah. be a good baker and to go open a bakery. For sure. And so, you know, what is your what? Sometimes your thing that you do isn't necessarily the thing that you should be monetizing or the things that sometimes just being yourself is answering the prayer to somebody else to your comment from earlier, Merit. Like, because it kind of goes back to this Lisa thing. I don't believe that people like to be told what to do. I think they like to be do because like to be told what to do later in life because they've been conditioned for so freaking long to not believe in their self that they mm-hmm. like to be told what to do because they can't make their own freaking decisions. Mm-hmm. And so it's this, you know, we're human beings. We have that we're different than other every other species on this planet because every other species pretty much just lives only in the moment. They're either Fear, run, there's a lion, or love your little cub, or whatever, right? But they're not lamenting on, you know, oh, you know, should I get that gazelle right now? Oh, man, I'm kind of stuffed from the last one. You know, like, it's just, we... And, and what will Bob think if I grab the gazelle? Yeah, we're, as you heard me say many times before, we're a sack of chemicals that thinks about thinking. And so it's this interesting paradox where, back to Lisa and back to the keep on selling is at what point 
if you believe the phrase, do you first off do you believe the phrase the market's always right? Uh, it's hard to argue with the fact that the market. It, I, I can go both ways on that. On one hand, the market is always right based on. I put it to you this way: the, the market is not a predictor necessarily of what is needed, but the market is right based on what exists. Exactly. So. Back to my favorite word, context, and I would say if content is king, context is God, because he who hesitates is lost or look before you leap. Which one is it? I'll tell you which one it is if you're standing in front of a train. <laughs> you know what I mean? But Wait, the, which one is that? So, so context is kind of everything. Back to the we're unique species. We like certainty and we like variety. And just we are also pack animals. So... Going into relationships, you want to have a sense of certainty, but if you don't remember, we also like variety, you don't understand why half of the problems pop up. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's just, it's never ending. I think that's what makes us human. Yeah. I think that's what I love most about these conversations yeah. is more than just like bullet point podcasts. Mm-hmm. It, conversations is when it comes out and you can dive deeper into that stuff. And I just, I wish I could kind of go back as a fly on the wall in like 1776. That room, when they're putting the Declaration of Independence together, I guarantee it's not just in a bunch of yes men writing down stuff. There was some heated shit going on in that room. I'm sure. And they were tr- but they were trying to find out the greater good. So yeah. thanks for bringing up the question, but I could talk for the whole freaking hour. Yeah. yeah let's uh, bring Kelly on as well. So... Uh, Kelly, I know you, uh, you always have interesting insight around all this fun stuff and occasionally you, uh, you, you were able to join us. So today's one of those days where you're able to join us. So what, uh, what, what's your take on that? I just want to get a knee jerk around it or see if, uh, kind of where your head's at at the moment. <laughs> My head's on trying. Well, hello, first off. Hi. Um, I missed the first part cause I was trying to get connected. So, oh. No worries. I, was just I love reading that. Email. E- I love that email, and yeah. I love that you are you share a little bit more personal side of you, um, and your kids and insight. So that's always good. Um, and for those that do like to be told what to do, it's lucky for them that that's my what is telling people what to do. <laughs> that's your what. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh-huh. well, that's good. So no, no problems there. Um, and how what you, else were you covering? So well, how how do you reconcile, like, I, I just, from your perspective, I mean, you've got, you know, I mean, you're a mom. Mm-hmm. How how do you balance the the whole, na- just, so there's a couple of different things, right? There's the whole conversation around helping your kids to overcome fear. And part of the exercise of having them do this cold selling is overcoming fear. So, let me let me just let's just start there there in terms of a fear as a mother i mean uh oh richie yes i just have a clarification yes. question yes. are you trying to have them overcome fear or overcome perceived fear like you know what i mean cuz yeah. like to your point earlier there are times it's important back to that train question there's times to yeah. be fearful yeah is it putting it in more putting it in perspective i kind of got out of it like you shouldn't be afraid of that yeah, it, the the point's well taken, right? I mean, it is it it's all relative, right? I mean, if somebody's running after you with, with a knife, you know, run, you, right? Right, you're going to be legitimately scared. You're going to have legitimate fear. Um, so the I, I think that the honest answer is a little of both, right? A little column A, a little column B. Uh, but Kelly, while we while we got you here, so what what is your take in terms of helping? I mean, as a mom, 
what's your take around fear and, and, and just with with the kid, like with the kids, like what do, what do you do around around that? Like, do you again? It's a it's like this whole conversation around this whole. There was a book around helicopter parenting or dragon mom or tiger mom or you know whatever mm-hmm. it was, right? Mm-hmm. And like. Yeah. And and I can see that. I mean, like, you can look at the kids and, you know, I'm going to sound like an absolute racist here, but I'm not. You know, it's just facts are facts. You know, when um, uh, when the kids graduated from uh, the two graduating class, when they had, like, presidential awards of the kids that, you know, had the straight A's and, like, were on the honor roll and this and the other, like, more than not, we're Asian. You know, like, I mean, it's <laughs> it's true. So we can say what we can say, but maybe there's something to that of, I, I don't know. I'm so I'm so confused around it all. I think it's important to just let our kids be who they are. And, you know, if, if you sense that they have a fear or can't get out of their comfort zone and stuff, you can you can push it and urge it a little bit. But the more that you push it, um, you know, they're not us. And mm-hmm. they have to find their own way just like we do. We did. And, um, yeah, it, it, it's important because that, that, you know, I mean, they, they're their own individual. Well, so let me let me ask you let me ask each of you this, and Wade, you can jump in on this as well. Let me ask each of you guys. So, what's what's the number one thing, uh, Mary? Let me start with you. What what's the no? Are, are you done? No, there? I'm you good. good. Okay. I'm good. What, what's the what's the number one thing you learned from from? Let's just let's start with your mom. What's the number one thing you learned from your mom that you still use or implement or remember to this day? Entertain yourself. Entertain yourself. My mom had nine kids. I was number seven. And I remember exactly where I was standing. And for I must have been bugging her. I don't remember the context <laughs> of it. And she just said, okay, Mary, here's the thing. You need to be able to entertain yourself because I can't. Mm-hmm. So what did that mean? Like, And what, how I, did you apply that? I just found things to be interested in. I was always a very, you know, busy kid. I would, I'd go out in the garden. I'd go out in the yard. I always did a bunch of chores as I grew older. I would mow the lawn. Um, I'd garden with her. I had lots of notebooks. I used to spy on my brothers. So I had this little things I would do. But um, And then when I got into school, I was in a lot of activities. And I'm still very much that person that I would never be described as someone who's bored or feels lonely. Um, I've just cultivated that sense of self where I'm okay being by myself mm-hmm. for extended periods of time or days. So that, so that's, uh, I mean, I guess we could call that a positive. Thing, it's a positive right? because I don't have to rely on other people to be um, entertained. Right. Entertained. Yeah. Not to overuse <laughs> the word, but right. Yeah. So let's let's run it around the horn. So Richie and either either mom or dad. I was just thinking about maybe starting with mom there. But what as you as you look back, what's what's that one thing? There's probably a lot of things, but if there's one thing, what what is it? The main thing would definitely be to know yourself and trust yourself. Mm-hmm. So how how was that reflected in your your conversations or in those teachings? Like, uh, well, it it was kind of some of that is literal literal from her, and some of that is figurative because of what happened to her later as time went on. Mm-hmm. Uh, for those of you listening long enough, mom was diagnosed with schizophrenia when I was seven years old, and a lot of that, you know, looking back, 
you know, yes, some of it's chemical, but some of it was her trying to do herself and be herself while a heavy-duty military family was telling her what to do at the same time Mm. and then kicking her out of the family when she got pregnant with me. And, uh, you know, so there's a lot of backstory and all that stuff, but you could probably read between the lines of the literal and the figurative. So some of it was directly from her Mm -hmm. and some of it was... An example from her? An example of what... I realized as I moved forward and and what she was really trying to do, and I think what when you start to hear literally a bunch of different voices in your head telling you all this different stuff, but uh, you know, ironically to the what is your what, there's times I literally feel like she was an angel for the people in the hospitals. Mm-hmm. I, I would go visit her and like, oh, it's Mary's kid, and you know, like she was help she would help people get out. And she couldn't get out. Mm-hmm. And, um, hmm. yeah, it was. This- Did she have a level of awareness of that? Because you're so aware, so contemplative and curious about your nature and other people's nature. It sounds like she had some of, you got that from oh, her. Oh, no doubt about it. I mean, part of why I chose what, to, what Trish and I both, it's not just my choice, chose to do parent Olivia the way we parent Olivia is the fundamentals that my parents put down in those first seven years for me, I think provided the foundation when all that, you know, shit hit the fan, let's just say. Yeah. That even though there was a wild ride, like I, I still had the, what is it? The rudder or, you know, the, I could still steer the ship. And, um, you know, some of that might have taken a little longer on some of the course of the ride, but I also think to to the title of the show, your what kind of reveals itself as the thing that's most consistent that you do all the time. You know, we've talked about this when it comes to religion, Mary, like uh, part of what happened, I, I was born and raised Catholic and uh, during that time, part of it was feeling a little let down, and I went down, you know, because, you know, when you're that old, you're like, God, how could you do this, blah, 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 blah. Sure. And um, so I went and literally looked and studied all kinds of other religions. Plus, when she's two classes from her degrees in psychology, you're going, WTF? Well, yeah. You know, what the hell just happened? You're, yeah. you're, you're learning from all these people trying to figure out, and then, you know, you fall apart as far as the world's concerned. And then, um, but... What I did when I went and I started looking at all the different religions and all the different ways of looking at things, instead of what's finding out what was different between us all, I was looking for what was consistent among all those. Mm -hmm. And in the consistency or the certainty to when I said part of what we like was that. But at the same time, I started to realize, man... This is also why I don't like how, you know, Common Core and all this stuff now trying to make everyone homogenized mm-hmm. because part of what is awesome is that variety or that difference. So it literally, it's the paradox of being a human being. Yeah. How do you stay certain in your certainty of you doing your you while understanding everyone else is doing their you? Or not. You know, possibly. Right? but But, but. They're yeah. doing it, they're doing whether they're doing you. it consciously, yeah. unconsciously, like there's stuff going on and, you know, and it kind of comes back to the, you know, political environment and what's going on. And I just, right now it's going to be interesting to see 
flash forward 10 so years, do we come back to, hey, you can think something different, but I don't have to go freaking ballistic if it's different than what I think. Yeah. Yeah. I don't understand that. Yeah, we've been struggling with that for... uh, Yes, Mary. I have a question. Yes. Could we we define your statement, what is your what, is... Because I always think there's been a thread of my what since Mm -hmm. I was young. Mm -hmm. But I've done a lot of different what's. True. So are you, can you define the, what are you asking people to define themselves? The thread or the what, what? (laughs) Let me, I, I, I made a note. Okay. I have it down. It's right here. Oh, you're Black pushing me off. No, well, only only briefly because I okay. wanted to get uh, Kelly's input and then Wade's input. Just just more curious, kind of round robbing it, robbing it here first. So, Kelly, what? Uh, just want to close the loop on that one. So, as you think back on on what you learned from your mom, what what do you think is that that most important thing, if there is such a thing? I think there's multiples actually. I mean, several things come to mind. Um, first and foremost, probably the value of hard work. And uh, mm-hmm. positive thinking. I was quoted Zig Ziglar for I don't know how many years in my childhood. And yeah. you talk about teaching you talk about teaching your kids how to sell. I went door to door selling Avon with my mom when I was before school started. Wow! <laughs> wow! So, so um, that's a skill right there. Do you still get checks? <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> no, no, but I've sold everything under the sun, and mm-hmm. uh, I, I feel like and. So, it, you know, she, just, she was a single mom raising three kids for, for up until the time I was six. And, mm. um, you know, whatever she needed to do and the job she had to, to work and whatever to survive and take care of her kids is what she did. Yeah. And that was, you know, I, I don't know if you guys know this or not, but I was in a – my mom and my brother and sister and I were all in a head-on car collision when I was six months old. Hey. That's and, the uh, problem. Yeah, <laughs> sorry, Kel. <laughs> wow. <laughs> sorry. We brought her over to the dark side. We take credit. I forgot about that. Tell the story. Uh, well, I mean, I was six months old. I don't know a whole lot about it, but I, I think I, ooh, you know, my mom was busted up pretty bad. But that's what I have to thank for for my scar face, and um, which I've probably become. I, I, I now embrace instead of worry about. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, so. Yeah, uh, Wade. What about you? But so, um, as you as you look back on things, just uh, can, can you pinpoint something in particular that uh, that you really learned from uh, from mom? Well, let's say the huge overriding thing, because you have to understand, mom was uh, educated to be a preschool teacher, kindergarten teacher. Mm. So have compassion, and if you can't say anything nice, don't say anything at all. Yeah. And play nice. So everything in that world, right? And I'm going to bring in something, and I'm not really into astrology, but people are familiar with it, and, you know, it can be uh, used. So mom is a Pisces, right? So apparently inclined to be tranquil, right? Married to an alcoholic, abusive man that she ended up leaving, Mm. right? So she's trying to be thankful and, you know, spiritual and accepting in the middle of an abusive alcoholic relationship. Mm -hmm. And then all three of the kids are Scorpios. Mm. And so, you know, I'm a Scorpio 
that was told to be nice to everybody. Yeah. <laughs> and not sting them. And not sting them. <laughs> and so, you know, that, just to sum it up, that was the interesting overriding thing is watching her try to live out compassion in the midst of chaos. Yeah, it's interesting. The um the the whole Scorpio thing, it's just like uh okay, so your so your parents got it on once a year and it was Valentine's <laughs> Day and that was that was it. That's how we had three kids. So three Valentine's Barely. Day, there we go. We got brothers and sisters. It's not the exact math, but it's close. I, I get what your point is. Is it not close? It's... It'd be like January. Oh, Oklahoma really? is New Year's. That was 9 months. Ten. Oklahoma is colder in January and February. Uh-huh. Yes. So going back to your question, Mary, about like defining uh, your your what, right, mm-hmm. and and how all that works out. I mean, to, to, I'll put it to you this way. So it's it's not a very simple answer, right? It's like as you look at the the subtitle of the book, "Discover the One Amazing Thing You Were Born to Do." Probably should be "Discover the One Amazing Thing You Were Born to Do" for now. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because I mean, I do think that your gift your your gift stays the same in terms okay. of you know you're a communicator, you're a teacher, you're a healer, you're an enroller, you're a protector. I mean one of those things your gift remains the same for sure. Uh, that's that's in the DNA. It's a part of who you are. Yeah, cuz some people might hear this being said and go, "You mean I have a what? And I'm 60 years old and it's too late for me to do my what?" Yeah. Uh, well, that's a whole other discussion, right? So uh but once they understand what that core gift is, then it's a matter of well, as you said, things can change in terms of what that looks like, what people do. I mean, then that, that's reflective of the, of the vehicle. So the, that primary vehicle that you use to share that gift, which often is a reflection of the third piece of the what is your what framework, which is which are the people. Right. And so it's a, it's a matter of understanding the people that you're most compelled to serve. And so you can look at and run it six ways from Sunday if, if your people change, your, your vehicle probably changes, right? And it doesn't mean that your gift changes. That's going to be the same with you uh, throughout your entire life. But hmm. uh, So is that the title of your next book, What's Your What Now? Yeah, right? What is your what now <laughs> with an exclamation point? Um, yeah, I don't know. I just, I, man, it's like, it's so funny. It's, I just, I, you would think that if I, as an author, I would be like, man, I got to get another book. Like you hear these people who have written like, you know, 20, 30, 40 books. Like I've got no desire at this moment to to write another book. I've got lots of books in me, but I've got like no desire to to write it. And so that's where the vehicle and the people change, right? So it's like, uh, so it's a perfect example. I mean, I'm, I think I'm uh, communicating is my natural gift, um, possibly borderline with teaching, right? Somewhere in there. Mm-hmm. Um, so the vehicle could be the book. Right at one point, it becomes the, that's how it, and then the other you move forward, like speaking, right, or doing live events or those sort of things. So that's more evolution. That's more um, organic. And then even the people that read versus the people that uh, go to live events or learn online and so on that that evolves as well. So, but it's an interesting one. And first, did you cover everything with everyone before I go I think deep so. on that? Yeah, I okay. Think so. um, that's an interesting one with the people you are compelled to serve. Yeah. Part because especially for someone like you who I feel is you're really good at helping a beginner, but yet you're also a coach to help people advance along the way. Yeah. So that's even an interesting one. Like, say I like helping, I'm air quoting, the common folk, right? Mm-hmm. The, 
but what if the best way for me to help the common folk is to help the top 1% and now I get more reach and more rollover to help the common folk. You yeah. know what I mean? So it's yeah. like it's, it's a, it can be an interesting path that when we try to sometimes make it be, it's an A, B, C, D, follow this line. That's part of the thing that overwhelms people because it's just this is the path for now. Mm-hmm. It's why I feel like it's a ball of clay and you don't have to worry about it being set in stone until you put that clay in the kiln. You can keep moving it around and doing mm-hmm. new things. So I just wanted your thoughts on. Oh yeah, go ahead. Yeah, no, I, and and you're right. I mean, you absolutely can keep moving it around and and so on. And hopefully, you've got you know Patrick Swayze behind you and you're just holding <laughs> that clay together. Whew. Yes, sorry, we'll give Kelly a moment there. Um, but but that is the thing, right? It's an all it's a, it's an evolutionary, organic, evolving process. And I think that we. We put so much pressure on ourselves to have something that we can really hang our hat on uh, that sometimes that pressure in itself. I mean, Jiminy, Jesus of God, like this has been such an unbelievable period of time here with um, like you look at Anthony Bourdain. Oh, my goodness. Right. Yeah. And you look at Bourdain and who didn't want to be Anthony Bourdain. I mean, Anthony Bourdain didn't want to be Anthony Bourdain. Right. It's like I, the job of jobs, which isn't even a job. I mean, you you travel the world, you hang out with super cool, amazing people, and food was the, you know, the it, it tied it all together, right? I mean, that was the common thread among his journeys and i mean obviously with him being a chef and being in the kitchen and so on i mean like that was his what and i mean he he loved to i think he was also exhausted by it because he was on the road so much was he there was something he said that he was there was a quote from him that he was exhausted he didn't have to stay on the road i know it you know this is this is part of the yeah wager well, I just uh, I read something you know, that about a perspective on that that, on the one hand, seemed kind of obvious, but on the other hand, you know, just really struck me. But I'm going to get to that by going back to something that Mary said and something about my mom. <clears throat> you know, Mary was talking earlier about being comfortable with yourself, right? That that old are you living a life where you sleep well, where you can look at yourself in the mirror is a piece of this puzzle, right? And then. My mother, you know, teaching contentment and me watching my brother and sister deal with abusive dad and the way I dealt with it, I'm not going to say is the best way and, you know, I've got whatever issues. But one thing that it taught me to do is find a, a point of peace, right? I'm on a farm in Oklahoma, but I can still go imagine what that looks like. Bright blue sky, white clouds, green wheat field, sun shining, and if you can't think, thank whatever creator you believe in for simply allowing you to exist and enjoy that moment, right? Yeah. There's a certain paradise to be found there, is, right? Is that why you open the radio station right across from aircrafts taking off, right across? <laughs> <laughs> Just find your zen point, right? right. <laughs> yeah. So, so, where, where, so where all this ties together 
is somebody pointed out that these celebrities pursue, pursue, pursue. And what do you do when you have everything that you could possibly want by external metrics and you wake up and realize, wow, I'm still not happy. If all of this doesn't make me happy, is anything ever going to boom? That, that is literally, and I swear I didn't cue him on this. He's talking about it literally exactly what I meant when it comes to the happiness stuff you know I'm working on. Mm-hmm. And I felt compelled, again, air quote, to help the common folk. And then I thought to myself, I was talking to Mary actually the other day. It's like, well, look. The common folk are all looking up to those people, the Kate Spades, the Anthony Bourdain's, the, mm-hmm. everyone. And then they're looking up to that when I get there. And to Wade's point, when they get there, if it's always out there, what about in here? Mm-hmm. And, and so you're always pursue, pursue, pursue. But then, then I thought, you know, back to the vehicle and who you're compelled to serve. Well, what if, what if I got that work in front of, well, I'll just pick whoever, someone who tried to commit suicide once and, you know, do some work with them. They have a voice. Help that. But then you still get the rollover where all the other people, because now you get to accentuate the voice they already had. But the point is we're always going out there. Outside of ourselves. And wherever you go, you're still going to be there. And if you're always chasing something else... Man. Yeah, wherever you go, there you are, right? I mean, it's, mm-hmm. I mean that is the, the truth. And, it's, and so you've got to be, oh, sorry, you've no, got to no. be happy. You've got to learn to be happy with where you are because I can't control what happens to me, what others do, but I can control my reaction. And if I can find a way to be happy in my reaction wherever I am, then nothing can dissuade me. Mm-hmm. And the elephant in the room, though, I'm not happy all the time, but I try to find that place and all the other contrast is just to remind me less of that more of the other stuff mm-hmm. i mean i know i've gained a little bit of weight too but that's not I mean, <laughs> <laughs> so and you know i look the and, and wait i love your your point there i mean i do think that we each need that that happy place i mean kelly for you it's probably and, and maybe i'm just grasping the straws here but i mean i think kelly for you it's probably playing volleyball right it's like no matter how shitty everything else is if you get out there and you you know you knock it around a little bit, then you you have that that outlet, right? I mean, is that mm-hmm. is, yeah? So do you do you Mary for you is that church? I mean, like no matter what else is going on, just you're there and it brings you back to center and you find peace and you come out of there with a clear head. Like Kelly, I think if you come off the beach, I mean, you at least you know you're, you're tired, but you come off of there with a clear head and you kind of things keep things in perspective. It's that downward spiral that I think so many people get caught up in me included i mean you guys know my story of bottoming out right and and so if we don't have that that place to go uh, that brings us back to center and puts things in perspective it's uh, that that downward spiral gets out of control well and you know my history with um people in my life that died by suicide Mm -hmm. and because they couldn't cope with whatever was going on in their life that caused them pain and that's why I've been on this mission of cultivate a rich interior because, as you guys say, wherever you go, there you are. Um, you have to find something to hold on to inside or a, something to do. So mass is a great thing for me, mm-hmm. but really creating a relationship through prayer because I can get through pretty much anything 
because I've cultivated a, a life of prayer, daily mm-hmm. prayer. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, I can tell miracle after miracle, um, even in other people's lives, because they pray the rosary, they believe and they yeah. pray. And even if you're sitting in a room of 10 people, you could feel totally alone with whatever issue you're going through. Oh, so sure. we can't rely on the psychologist or or a friend or a loved one to get us through. We've got to take the responsibility and find what makes us cope. If it's sitting and making a sandcastle at the ocean, mm-hmm. awesome. Yeah. If that's your peaceful place, great. Yeah. It's different for everyone. Richie, where is that where is that for you? Of uh, zero doubt, it'd be meditation or music cuz both of those so I'll start with meditation. It allows me to be happy doing nothing. Mm-hmm. And I do my meditation a little different. It's also a form of prayer. So it's also being happy with where I am and visualizing more of what I want to do, but mm-hmm. without not being enough now, as strange as that sounds. Yeah. And then music, very similar in you can play music for how you're feeling now or you can be feeling depressed and put on happy music and help you feel the way you want to feel. So they're very similar to me, meditation and music. To your point about the music, that's a state changer. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And people have to have their go-to jam to change their state. So that's what I'm saying. We have to take responsibility for ourselves and what we're going through in life and anticipate, you know, life's going to suck maybe on Saturday. Mm Mm-hmm. So be prepared inside to deal with that and cope with that. Yeah. And rock your song on the way to whatever is going to exactly. suck. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And say so, it's a potent Hail Mary. So I know we've covered a lot of ground here on uh, on the show today. I want to close with, you know, as you, as you wait, look wait, at. What's your place, Steve, before you move on? Damn it. Kelly, you're always keeping me on point. Um <laughs> You know, I, I honestly think it's um, it's it's jujitsu, uh, which I've been remiss in, in participating in for uh, for too long. But it's definitely there, um, physically, emotionally, spiritually. I mean, it's uh, it, it touches all the bases there, um, and and music. You know, no doubt, no doubt. So um, I've mm-hmm. got uh, I got to get more of that in uh, in the life again. When yeah, for sure, that's. Uh, but we, yes. what happens is you get busy, and we'll neglect ourselves first. Yeah, or in our self care, or in our case, as we get older doing jujitsu, um, we just start looking at the mats and getting hurt. <laughs> so, like, you know, like Same oh, it's a mat. Oh, my leg, my knee. <laughs> Flip yeah. and slapped you in the face. Right? Didn't, don't even need anything to happen. To get my hurt. team keeps waiting for me to quit. Right? I know. Aren't you old enough already? <laughs> So, uh, oh, I don't, uh, Wade, did you tell us what your place is? Let's uh, let's make sure we're uh, we're clear on that, and then I'll uh, we'll close out here. Well, <clears throat> fundamentally, outside in the sun, mm. okay. right? Just your, ironically, your white Wade is outside in the sun. <laughs> <laughs> so you're saying you're not happy right now <laughs> with with the shades drawn in your studio right now? Yeah, yeah the exactly. black shades to boot. But, but just in the miracle of this existence we have at the moment, just appreciating what a miracle this existence we have is. Yeah. And this is coming from the non-religious guy. I got you. I'm wearing on you. So, yeah, man, you know, it, again, really 
tough couple of weeks there. Really, just more more a matter of week of, of a week. I mean, Richie, you mentioned Kate Spade and and Bourdain and you know just everything else that uh, is kind of going on in the world that makes it uh, a challenging time to be alive. Uh, even though we've got the most opportunity we've ever had. Uh, in so many ways, it is also uh, probably the most challenging time to to be alive. I mean, you grow up, you were a farmer, you you know, you get up at uh, the break of dawn, you plant those seeds, you know, you till the soil, you do what you got to do all day long. You go to bed, it was tired, but you made it, you know, you made it through the day. Yes, Wade. I'm sorry, and I just got to throw this in, you know, I'm a fan of history. It really needs to be appreciated, right, that just to grab as an example, if I'm a Russian farmer, in, let's say, 1860, right, my life is fundamentally no different than my great-great-great-great-great-grandfather's was, Mm -hmm. right? So think about the assurance of history of going, what's going to happen? Same thing that's been happening because generationally, right? right? You know, goes back to certainty. But now in the past hundred years, look at the pace of change. Our kids are going to be doing jobs that haven't been invented yet. So just think about as a human creature, what a mind shift that is, that our pure existence is fundamentally total chaos compared to what it was 100, 200 years ago. My five-year-old asks Alexa what the weather is going to be like and goes and gets dressed before we wake up. (laughs) Right? You know what I mean? Yeah. So... um, uh, again, covered a lot of ground here on what is your what Wednesday, and opened with the uh, with the email that I that I wrote about uh, what I've been trying to teach my kids of of late. Of course, uh, as I said, even in the email, I do try to teach them other things as well. But just given everything that's going on here and the challenging times that uh, that we're in, Mary, is there is there one thing in particular you're trying to uh, to impart to your little ones, and then just run it around, and uh, that might take us to mm. the end here. Oh gosh, that's that's could be a multiple answer, but uh, taking responsibility for their actions. Mm. Um, what you do, to, what you decide today, creates your future. Mm-hmm. So be very careful about the choices you make with friends, where you're going, whatever th- those types of choices. Doing your homework or slacking off, mm-hmm. it will create your future. Mm-hmm. Well, that's very sage advice, Richie. What uh, what what do you? What are you trying to teach? I know you're covering a lot of ground there, but uh, if you had to put, yeah, put I'd say one the stamp f- on it. The fastest answer would be the same thing my mom taught me. Know yourself mm-hmm. and be okay with standing up and saying that. Mm-hmm. Kelly, what, uh, what what's that one thing you're really trying to teach? Um. That's a tough one because it's evolved over time. But I would say as they've gotten, you know, my kids are 21 and 25 now, almost 22, 26. But, you know, just um, to live a good, clean life and mm-hmm. be happy, choose to be happy mm-hmm. and be proud of who they are. Believe in themselves. Mm-hmm. There you go. Wade? Well, maybe three things, and I'll, but I'll be brief. Um, number one, if you walk, you, you can walk out your house and start walking down the street and turn wherever obstacles, whatever happen, and you're going to end up someplace, but it's probably not going to be where you want to be. Mm. So getting them to understand, plan your future, think about tomorrow, you know, take that moment to go, where do I want to be? Right. <clears throat> Secondarily, 
And that's all driven by your attitude. Like I said, you can't decide if you have a flat tire. You can just decide how you deal with a flat tire. So try to be as positive in your attitude as possible. And then reminding them that their games are only fun while they're hard. And once the game gets easy, it's boring. So if you can embrace the joy in pushing through the hard in the game, embrace the joy in pushing through the hard in every other aspect of life. Mm. Because you don't have to fear it. So those three things. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. And for me, God, you know, it's 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 hard raising kids. It's hard being a parent. I, I mean, you're here. You, you <laughs> Wait know, till they get into high school and drive. Right. You know, it's and then even. Just this, like I've been—I don't know why I've been so hell bent to something like, like on this miracle of life thing, and like our our bodies and how it's like. Because my wife is, you know, you know, director in Balmer, and just this whole closed circuit that we have of blood is in our system, and like nothing. It's just like the thing that grows in us because, like, I, I, I just I'm so like this whole miracle of life has just hit me. Do you think going lately. through a couple major surgeries had anything to do right? with that? Right, I know, I know. And and on one hand, you know, I definitely want to teach my kids, you know, how to sell, right, and have that that those business skills that I know that they will need. But on the other hand, it's like I'm trying to figure out how to teach them to take it easy. You know, and just hmm. and because we just put so much pressure on ourselves in so many ways. And we set our expectations so high in so many categories that it's just not sustainable. And you look at a guy like Bourdain again, who, mm. you know, if you look at that checklist, you had nine out of the 10 things on the checklist, you know, at a full, full on 10, something was missing on that checklist. We don't know what it was. I mean, it literally could have just been mental illness. Same thing with the Kate Spade, et cetera. But something was missing on the checklist, and I, and I think if if nothing more, if I can teach them to to take the numbers down, where it doesn't have to be a full on ten in every area in order to find happiness and fulfillment, I think I will have done my job. I don't know, my friends. It's uh, you know, look, I'm not trying to end here on a on a sad note by any stretch. Obviously, on what is your what Wednesday, we try to cover a lot of ground here, and uh, really do appreciate everybody tuning in to Reinvention Radio and uh, the Best Business Podcast, and we love you guys. And just know that, uh, boy, I tell you, at the end of the day, you absolutely are here for a reason. So stay the course, fight the good fight, and we will talk to you next time here on Reinvention Radio. Take care. Attention coaches, authors, speakers, and business owners. Please pay close attention to what I'm about to say if you want to secure massive visibility fast and generate thousands of highly qualified leads without spending a dime on advertising or marketing. The easiest way to make this happen is to appear as a guest on the world's most popular podcast. We recently came across an awesome resource that provides detailed contact information for 240 new media influencers who are looking for guests just like you. 
you. It's called the Ultimate Directory, and for a limited time, you can get the preview edition of the directory absolutely free. That's right, for free. It's time for you to get the visibility you and your business deserve and connect with the world's leading icons of influence who can make you famous with the push of a button. Get your free preview edition of the Ultimate Directory right now at www.myultimatedirectory.com. That's myultimatedirectory.com.